whenever it comes down to talking about the church and the value of it, there's a little bit of a debate out there. But there's one thing I want you to hear and that you've heard me say before, and it's truly a part of our church planning strategy, and that is this, is the best way to bless a community is to start a church. It's the only organization that will bless a community, body, soul, and spirit. And I truly hope that, that when you look at our church, when you're a part of our church, that you'll say, okay, they, they are helping people physically. They are helping people at the soul level, in the psyche level, and just mentally putting life together. But they're even helping people on a spiritual, deep, eternal level. That's the kind of thing, that's the elements that the church brings to a community. I would so hope, and I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not just using platitudes here, I would so hope, that if we fail to exist as a church, that if that, that grace point no longer, the rapture came, or, and we were all gone all of a sudden, I would hope and pray that the taxes of Benton County would go up because we are not here. Just because we are so much in the community, so much blessing the community, so much impacting the community, there would be a felt absence with us not here. So I, I each year come to this time excited because I get to see all of the, the events of the past year and try to shrink it down into a few moments. And then I get to look forward because I'm a visionary person. I'm already five years out in my head for Grace Point. And I can look down the road and I get excited about that and try to shrink it down and share it with you. So this just kind of comes to a day where I just kind of spill over. So just allow me to kind of come back and reestablish why we exist. Where are we going? What's this all about? And I want to frame it up by, by reading a couple of passages. One out of Isaiah, one out of Jeremiah. So just jot these down. I know you don't have anything to write on. We didn't give you bulletins. So just write on your neighbor's neck in front of you or, or, or on your sleeve or something like that. And, uh, and that'll, that'll be just fine. You can take your neighbor home with you. Um, Isaiah chapter 59, uh, verse 11 and 12. Now this is out of the message, but I, I want you to see this because the world doesn't see this, by the way, Okay. But I want to read this, and, I, and then I'm going to give you a statistic. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew, to rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again. Now, he says this to the people of Israel. As the people of Israel are, are on this, this journey out uh, of exile, and he said, hey, listen, you're going to go back and you're going to, what are you going to do? You're going to rebuild from the rubble of past lives. And then you're going to make the community livable again. I would hope to God that Grace Point Church would be that kind of church that could take past lives, past mistakes, past hangups, past brokenness, and that we could, from that brokenness, find redemption and grace and healing and restoration and rebuild and make the community livable again. When you, when you ask the people across our land, when you ask people just across America, and this is a new study that just came out just maybe about a year ago. When you ask people across our land, unchurched people, does the church make a difference in your community? Does, does Christianity have any value to its community? This is what they said. 49% said that it does not. Unchurched Americans cannot identify a single way Christianity has positively impacted the United States. That's our reputation with those who are outside our four walls today. Those who are outside of our faith today. 
And you'll see in a moment that that outside section is growing faster than the inside section. There are more and more people that are looking at the church saying, you know what? You're just talking a lot. You're just against everything. You know, you're, you're fighting. You're, what good are you? All you want to do is ask of us and want us to set. No, that, what, what was the church about? We're to help those broken lives. We're to put communities back together again. We're to put lives back together again. That's why the people of God are still on this planet. Jeremiah 29, verse 7. Seek the welfare of your city. Now, we all like Jeremiah 29 because that's the verse that tells us where I know the plans I have for you, plans for prosperity, hope, and the future, and all that kind of stuff. But, hey, we don't realize that he's putting them in a situation that's not so hope-filled. I have a hope for you. I have a future for you. Hey, but by the way, I want you to seek the welfare of where I have sent you. You into exile and pray to the, the Lord on its behalf. Pray the Lord for its, in its welfare, you will find welfare. What, what if we really did take to heart this whole idea and concept? That I am here. I exist in northwest Arkansas. And some of y'all are transplants this past 12 months. You have any, you, you still getting lost in northwest Arkansas. And that's really hard to do. But I mean, you're, you're, it's just one artery goes up and down. All right. It's all it is. And, uh, but, but the, the whole reality is, is that you're thinking, oh, why am I here? Why is my, listen, have you ever thought that God puts you here? And listen, 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 listen. God may have put you in this church. I know you're a number, you're just a number, and you just fit into the crowd. No, 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 no. God puts you here. He puts you in this church for a reason, to help seek the welfare of this city, to help seek the welfare of your community and your neighborhood. What if we really took it to heart? Now, this is not the first strategy meeting. We have been doing this. Listen, this is the 15th strategy meeting. We have existed for 14 years as of this July. But on day number one, when we met in a house on 103 Nita Road in, in Rogers, for the very first Sunday, on the very first day, the very first thing that we did after we collected our very first offering is we sat down and we said, okay, now how are we going to use this? And we've been doing that ever since. Four families, five families in a living room. And now we're doing it today. Because it's so important that we come together as a church and rally around this. And since day one to this very day, we have had the same purpose statement. We've been driving at it and getting at it again and again. I mentioned it last week. I want you to say it this week. I'm not going to say it with you. You're going to say it by yourself. I'll get you started. Say it. Ready? We have a... It's not for us. It's for a great God. It's, it's, not, it's not about us. Now, we are a church, and we're, gonna, we're not just going to be an okay church. We're not going to be a plateau church. We're not going to be a mediocre church. We're going to be, a, hopefully, I pray to God, a great church for a great God. And how are we going to be great? Because we're going to do two things really well. We've been doing these two things for, for some time, and that is the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. And we're talking right now, in fact, this entire year, not, not every series this series, uh, this year, but I can tell you this entire coming year, where we're going to be going is we're going to be revisiting at different seasons in this year, coming back to what does it mean to be about the Great Commission? What does it mean to be about the Great Commandment? I'm going to unpack that in the weeks ahead, so I'm not going to do that right here and now. But let me point to the fact 
that these are represented in kind of some restating values that we're having right now. And we're in one of the series that's kind of kicking it off. And these values, when I talk about values, these four values, I, I, I heard this past week, somebody said it like this, values are something you, you will bleed for. If you really value something, you'll bleed for it. These are values that we bleed for, that we commit money to, personnel to, time on the stage to. We ask you to be a part of it and to be a part of this in a very big way, not some small backseat, set and observe kind of way, but in a big way so that God can grow a great church in his great name. So here's value number one. We mentioned it last week. I mentioned it again. This entire series is built on that, is that we would love that we would specifically love our God and community deep and wide. That's value number one. And, and as I mentioned, in this world, there's not a whole lot of that out there, of, of deep, intimate love, of, of unconditional love. And, and certainly the world is not looking at the church and feeling the love. They're not feeling that kind of love. In fact, many people are leaving the church. You may have read the Pew research that was just recently done, re- reignited, and the conversation around the growing number of people who are leaving the church. And I want to show you this graph because I think this graph shows you that Protestants, Catholics, uh, evangelicals, they're all suffering a decline from 2007 to 2014. There's this continual decline. The only area that is growing are those who are leaving the church and say, I am no longer affiliated with the church. This is recent research across our land. You know what that tells me? That tells me that that our project, our goal, our direction, our aim just got bigger. Because who we're aiming at are not getting evangelicals mad at the other church down the street, or the Catholics from this church or the main line or what what we're looking for are those people who are unchurched. We have said it for since day 1. That our mission is to be an authentic church for those who've given up on the church but haven't given up on God. There's a lot of people giving up on the church, walking away from the church. What are we going to do? We're going to love them. We're going to embrace them. We're going to do it in a deep and wide kind of way. I challenged you last week. Come up with, if you remember, if you were here, raise your hand if you were here last week. I want to see who I was here. Okay. So last week I gave you your neighborhoods. You got your geographical neighbors and you got your social neighbors. Let's just talk about your geographical neighbors. Hopefully you took that grid. And if you weren't here, then you need to go back and re-listen to the message. And you took that grid and you identified the eight neighbors that border you or that are across the street from you, or near you. Maybe it's six, maybe it's eight, maybe it's five. Whatever your, your, your neighborhood looks like. And can you, or how well do you know your neighbors? Because I said you can't love them if you don't know them. It's just a fake love. It's just a program love. It's a, you're just doing it because the pastor at the church told me to go do this. No, 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 no. You're doing this because Jesus said to do it. It's because Jesus did it. You love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, you know yourself, you need to know your neighbor. So who are those neighbors? How can you reach them? How can you love them? How can you care for them? And, and, and so I want to break it down a little bit more, a little bit more specific, specific, okay, specifically. All right? There are three ways I want you to zero in on loving your neighbor. Think about them like this, all right? Number one is to know them spiritually. Now, you may not know them spiritually until you know their number two, know their name. 
So start with their name. Then know them spiritually. Now, you don't go into that the first conversation when you're out walking your little dog. All right, don't do that then. All right, you're going to scare them away. But you're going to be in their life, with their life, in their day-to-day, experiencing their life, going with them through life. And you're going to get to know your neighbor. You're going to get to know their spiritual condition. And then by name, you're going to pray for them. And then you're going to seek ways that you can be a blessing in Jesus' name in their life. What does that look like? What's that feel like? What's that smell like in their life? Now listen, I'll just tell you this. When you open your door to love your neighbor, love your community, you're not going to be able to control everything anymore. Your little bubble may get popped. Your little safety zone may not be so safe. You're going to open your life up and you're going to expose your life to the people on the outside because God didn't tell us to create a bubble here for us to live in. He was to love our neighbors. That's what he told us to do. So when you do that, you're going to expose yourself to maybe somebody who doesn't think like you, live like you, believe like you. That's okay. You love them anyway. I like the way Neil Neil Cole put it like this. He says, if you want to reach people for Jesus, you're going to have to sit in the smoking section. Makes sense, doesn't it? You're going to have to get outside of your comfort zone, outside of your safety, and love them deep and wide. Now, we're proposing, it's on your ballot, and you can, if you're a member, again, be sure and fill this out as we go, uh, go along here. But we're, I want to introduce to you Kevin Crow. Kevin is, uh, I think, a rock star. He's already a rock star. He's just going to be a rock star on our team now. Uh, Kevin has, has been in the community. He's been in the grit and the grime of the community. He moved up here from Dallas and uh, actually to help start, start a church. Actually, no, he moved up here to work at Camp War Eagle. Worked at Camp War Eagle, did ozone for, for, for Camp War Eagle. So he's working in the youth of our community for a lot of years. And then he goes over and he works at the Boys and Girls Club. By the way, he meets Kayla uh, working at, uh, his wife working at uh, Camp War Eagle. And this, this guy was in the Boys and Girls Club, in the grit and the grime of the community, so much so that they saw he was an amazing leader. They promoted him, and he was over all of the Boys and Girls Clubs of Benton County. Well, God bless him when, when he brings him into our midst and into our congregation. And whenever Caleb moved over to Global Advancement, it was a, it was a natural fit. It was a quick, easy answer to a, a lot of prayer and a lot of time and so I'm proposing to you that to add this guy to our, our pastoral team will be like adding a rock star to, to our team. And so I hope that you'll consider that uh, as, as we come to the close of our service today. But let's talk about number two, because these are sequential. We love our God and our community deep and wide. But then secondly, when you love someone and you sit in the smoking section and you get in the dirt and the grime of their life, guess what? You're going to be now able to get into their life and be a part of the liberation of their life. We get to be in someone's life, liberating them and ourselves from the harmful ways, the hurts, the hang-ups, and the habits that we've acquired. What if we get to be a part of that liberating process, that redeeming process, that reconciling process? That's what I hope our church will be about. And here, again, when you open your doors to your neighbors, your neighbors come in, you go to your neighbors, guess what? You're going to see the brokenness real quickly. 
You drop down the pretentiousness in your life, you enter into their life, you be authentic with them. Again, what did I say? We're an authentic church for those who've given up on the church but haven't given up on God. So that means you're the church. It means you've got to be authentic. So you're authentically in their life, they're authentically in yours. And guess what? You're going to start seeing the brokenness. And you can start living out from your brokenness, finding that liberation, helping them find that liberation in their life. And if you don't realize you're broken, you need to go back and reread Romans 3.10 where it says that none of us, not one of us, nobody is living right, not even one. Really, when it comes down to it, we're just one beggar. That's what one one person said evangelism is, one beggar helping another beggar find bread. We're just beggars. We're just broken people, not all put together, all nice and neat. But I found a little bread here called the bread of life and and hey, I want to help you find the bread of life. And hey, let's, let's commune together. Let's live life together. And that's where liberation begins to happen. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of tired of social media to a large degree. Uh, all the Facebook news feeds and all that flipboard. That's where I get a lot of my, I read through periodicals that way. And, and it's just like constantly. It's like what I'm hearing so much of is, Oh, what about the Duggars? Oh, what about Bruce Jenner? You know, would you have ever imagined in your life that in the same time period you'd have the Kardashians and the Duggars in the news at the same time? You can't find a more polar opposite families than that right there. Polar opposite. But here, let me say this. The Duggars need grace. Bruce Jenner needs grace. And we need to be a church of grace. It doesn't mean we're going to kowtow and change our convictions. But the reality is, is that there's so much brokenness in this world. But if we don't love them and we immediately try to liberate them, it's a job, it's a duty. We've got to, that's why I said this is sequential. Love comes first. When we love them, we'll work with them. We'll grow with them. We'll hurt with them. We'll help them as they help us and we help each other. That's what we're about. Here's a statement I saw in a church in California not too long ago, and I love it. It's, you're going to hear me say a lot more of it. It's this. Come as you are, but don't leave as you came. I pray to God that we'll bring the broken. We'll always be a church. Communitas groups always be communitas groups where the broken can come, where the, where the hurt can come. But man, I hope to God that we're always calling people up to a higher, nobler life. Not because we've arrived. Remember, both sides of that spectrum that I just mentioned, they need to give grace and they need to show grace. They need to experience grace. And we need to be that place of grace, living up to our name. Number three, once we kind of move, next would be into lead. That we would lead people. We would... We would model. Now, again, when I say lead, it's not, hey, you follow me. You do, you do what I tell you to do. No, no, no. You go with me. I go with you. We lead each other into a full devotion and development in Christ. I can't take you where I'm not. All right? I understand that. As a pastor, I've got I've to I've be there if I'm going to ask you to go with me. I can only give you what I've got. You can only lead people with what you have in your heart. So what are you giving? How are you giving out? We, we say it around here all the time. Every member is a minister and every ministry is meaningful. We, we grain that into our North Point class. 
Where's your ministry? What's your place of ministry? You are a minister. Go out and print business cards that says you're a minister. I don't care. Of Grace Point Church. What are you going to do with that? How are you going to lead people into a full-on devoted relationship with Christ? Here, let me, let me give you an example. So this year alone, we've moved day camp around, we've moved it around, and we've made some, a lot of big adjustments to it. We didn't know how, that was, how people were going to respond to it. We've seen a 20% increase. We've closed down day camp. We've seen 20% increase in attenders to day camp this year. We have not seen a 20% increase in ministers to day camp this year. Here's a challenge. I'm going to put it out there because this is what we're going to do constantly as a church is we're going to raise the bar in your life because this is that leading thing. Hey, there's some people who will go right now. We have a team right now in Ireland. There are some people who are taking their weeks of vacation and serving two weeks in Ireland. There's a team on the ground right now. What, have you ever thought about taking a week and serving at day camp? We need 10 people today to step up because we have that much of a need. Just think about it. That's just one area an example. The last one, number four. And we're not going to come out perfect on the other side. In fact, I think the better life is whenever we lead from brokenness, not from perfection. But we love. We lead. Excuse me, we liberate. We lead. And then we launch. It's how, it's how we're going to measure things. How well are we launching people? How well are we launching churches? How well are we launching missionaries? Now, I know Walmart just had a shareholders meeting, and this is not the church version of a shareholders meeting, but it kind of is. But here, here, here's, here's what I want you to, when you think about this. When you're a business, you measure your success by what you bring in. And there's a lot of churches that measure their success by, by, by how many people are in their seats by what you bring in. We don't measure our success here at Grace Point Church by that manner. We measure our success by who we send out. We're about sending people out. Listen, if you're, you're not a goer, you need to be a sender. You need to help other people go. This is, this is an exciting time for our church. Let me tell you this true story of somebody who grew up in our church, all right? Well, let me back up and tell you kind of the history. For the past nine years, we have been going to a country in West Africa. Nine years. I looked it back up this morning. This fall, we will commission our 200th person to this, to this nation for a two-week journey. Now, some have gone longer. Some have gone for months. Sarah Williams, the late Sarah Williams, well, a great example of that. Beautiful things have happened. Our very first church plant was not in America. It was in West Africa. And to this day, that church in K Village, as we call it, is still going. In fact, I was there a few months ago. I didn't go to the village because that church is strong. We are in other villages now, and we're seeing God do other things in these unreached villages. But it was so awesome through a translator to call that church in Jitogala and to call that pastor and to say, how's the church doing? Give me a report. And they have like 12 people waiting to be baptized. And they're still meeting and they're still worshiping. That's a beautiful thing. And 200 of our people have gone to help make that a reality. But let me tell you the story of one little girl who grew up in our church. First of all, she was a part of our children's ministry. Whenever we didn't even have a building, a facility. In fact, we met in a condemned restaurant in Rogers. That's what we cared about. That's what we thought about your children is we put them in a condemned restaurant. 
Lakeside restaurant down, down in, in the belly of Rogers, all right? We went there. It's not even standing anymore as far as I know. And so we were the last occupants of that restaurant. And uh, we had children's ministry there. And we loved on the kids. And this little girl named Aubrey, Aubrey Barton, became a believer in that ministry. I got to baptize her in a little hotel swimming pool as we all gathered around the pool. That's all, we all fit in this room and gathered around and I baptized her. It was a beautiful time. She continued to be loved on. She continued to find Christ and be liberated. She continued to become a leader and was a part of our student ministry. She goes on and gets her nursing degree. She goes on and you can just see where this is going. And now she has just recently resigned her job and she has just now taken a, a position with IMB and she is going back to this West African country and she's going to live as a single woman giving herself to serving so that other people will know Christ. A beautiful story of somebody growing up. This happens regularly. And it only happens because we do it intentionally. Let me tell you another story and then I'm going to let you hear it firsthand, of another man who we met six years ago in this nine-year journey in West Africa. And this guy's name is John. We're going to call him John anyway. And he, he was energetic from day one, but he was barely a believer, just became a follower of Christ. And for the past six years, we have been loving on him, investing in him. And when you give an offering, a portion of your offering is supporting what he is doing and right now. But you've got to get to know John and know that you have a part, you are playing a part, and you can continue to play a part in the work that's going on around the world. Get to know John now. Here, people will practice Islamic religions, you know, uh, because uh, they are afraid of one another. They are afraid of being persecuted. If you do not practice Islamic religions here, they will not come to attend your, you know, whatever happened to you and your family. People are still kind of living, you know, believing, you know, physical things, what they can see with their eyes. So I grew up in, uh, you know, an animistic family. And since uh, our culture is uh, kind of mixed with uh, Islamic religions, so when uh, sometime in my age, then I began to practice uh, Muslim, you know, religions. So I would go to mosque, I would fast, and, uh, you know, I would do all I can to, you know, to do what Islamic religions would require me to do. Being uh, Muslim, I was, uh, you know, I would just do it just because other people would do it, but... Uh, that's, you know, there was no hope for me for salvation. So one day when I was uh, walking on the street and I found the Bible. So I was wondering what kind of book it was. And I picked it up and uh, I found that it was Bible. So even though I was a Muslim, I would do Muslim, you know, Muslim ritual things. I kept the Bible with me. So when I was reading Bible, I would read Bible and Christian books in front of my uh, people there. They would warn me of reading Christian books because if I continue reading it, I will finally become Christian. If that, and if that happens, then they will quit, you know, you know, considering me as a part of them. 
enough. But I didn't listen to them because they would never be my, you know, my 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 savior. So through the reading, you know, through reading the Bible, I found that Islam was not something that I can continue with my life because I spent this long time doing Islamic things. I didn't hear from any Islamic leaders that I have salvation, and that's what I wanted to have. So I knew through reading Bible that it's only Jesus Christ who is the savior of the world. Then I made my commitment to him. The first change that I realized in me was hope. Because I was hopeless, now I have hope. I opened a shop, but uh, I began, after that I began to go to villages to share the gospel. So, you know, uh, I spent, since I began to spend more and more time telling people about Jesus than staying in the shop. So finally, my shop is closed now. I will go, you know, to the villages and share the gospel. There have been a lot of people who had not heard about Jesus Christ. They died godless. Even now, there's a lot of people dying godless. The big name here is Jesus Christ. People not, you know, need to know who Jesus is. Jesus has access in the book of Matthew chapter 28 to go out and make disciples of all, you know, nations. So, especially here where there's so much lostness, so we need Jesus Christ. People should come here and share what God has given them. Awesome. It, there's no way that in a service like this that we can share all the stories. But you got to know John. You got to know Aubrey. And here's the here's what's going to be powerful when when you as you come alive to love your own hood and really embrace this. What will God do? What will God? What will be next year's story? And so here's here's a challenge that I'm going to ask everyone that is going to take this commitment about loving your hood. Is I want you, and this, this is going to be up here after the service, and we'll move it out in the gallery area during our ministry time. But I want you to come up here. This is a northwest Arkansas map. It's a little dated, but from Bella Vista to Fayetteville, I want you to find your neighborhood. And if you're a big lover, you can do the big, big side. Or you can, if you're a small lover, you can do the small side. But you find your neighborhood, take a Sharpie, and highlight it. Just circle all the way around it. And then I want you to notice that area that you circle. And even if somebody circled it, you circle it again. Overlap some circles. I would love for all over northwest Arkansas to claim areas, to claim that area that we have people in those neighborhoods loving them. All right? So that's your, one of your assignments. Are you going to take the challenge to love your hood? If you are, indicate that and then go love them. One of the ways we love them, though, the best way to bless a community is to start a church. 
And we're excited about this move that God is leading us. And Jared, you, God's been leading you and working in you for some time now. So why don't you share us a little about narrative and how that's all working out moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Uh, come on up, guys. Um, making sure we got everybody up here. Uh, we're missing a few, but we have been, um, uh, you know, Katie and I announced in January that we were leaving Grace Point. God had been putting church planning on our heart and uh, this, th- this, that this church plant would be a, a church plant for um, Bentonville for kind of this changing culture uh, of a subculture that we're calling it that's kind of falling through the cracks of our society and the church. Uh, they're, they're not interested in church as normal or as usual as we're used to. And so that's kind of our calling. Well, since January with this group of people and, and a handful of others, we've been praying and just asking God, God, do you, are you calling us here? Uh, because the, the call to, to narrative is not a reaction to, should be a reaction to nothing else except for Christ's calling on our lives. And so um, Sunday night, uh, we just, uh, I guess, yeah, last Sunday night, uh, we had a gathering. And we just, I just said, this is the time. If you're ready, if you want to commit, you're ready to step forward. And so on top of a few other people that aren't Grace Point folks, this is our um, crew that's going to narrative, my friends and my family up here. And, uh, and we're just, I'm excited about it. And so I wanted Meg, Meg, and I want, I wish we had time to share all of the stories, uh, but I wanted Meg to kind of share the story of what her and Kyle have been processing during this time. Yeah. And I, I wish I could tell the whole story. It's like an hour and a half long and there's an interpretive dance and I'm kidding. <laughs> there's not. Um, but, um, uh, my name's Meg. If you don't know me, I'm the women's director here at Grace Point, which makes this a little awkward cause Hey, I'm leaving. Um, <laughs> But uh, five years ago, God relocated our family and moved us up to northwest Arkansas to help with a church plant. And that didn't really go the way that we thought it was going to go. Um, surprise, life doesn't go the way you think it will. <laughs> and it didn't actually end well. And we found our, ourselves in um, the place where we needed a new church home and we needed an oasis and we needed healing and rest. And um, God brought us to to grace point and he gave us all those things. And so for the past two years, he's brought us healing and rest and a place to serve and a place to be loved on. And, um, in those two years, he began to remind us through Joshua, um, the book of Joshua, who we were and why he brought us here. And, um, it wasn't cause we sat down and we're like, we're going to study Joshua for two years. It was because he would just remind us through a sermon, through a book, through a conference, he just kept bringing it up. And so we were like, God's doing something and we don't know what it is. And so when Jared asked us to pray about this, I had just started my position here at Grace Point. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, that doesn't make any sense. And God always makes sense, right? <laughs> so, so we began to pray about it. And I had some rebellion in my heart and I was kind of praying half-heartedly about it. But he kept bringing back, back to Joshua and the Jordan. And, um, and what the Holy Spirit opened my mind to was that God will always give you an opportunity where he calls you and he gets you ready. And then it's your, it's your choice to step in the Jordan. He's never going to force you to do it. He will always give you a choice to follow him. And so even though it's kind of scary to leave our, our comfortable oasis of grace point, um, our family has chosen to follow him with narrative and, um, he is with us and he has called us. And so that's kind of all we know. Yeah. Amen. That's awesome. Um, and this is just, we're all stepping out of our comfort zone um, to reach this subculture, this subculture that's been changed by really like just the artisan movement and uh, your non-Bible belt, unchurched people 
um, and just the stories that we've been sharing and finding out from people in our city um, that have given up on the church and uh, but having given up on God, as Mike's talking about, the DNA is the same. But the delivery is different. We're going to be more of a house church model. Um, and that's going to be kind of the core of what we do. And just to kind of reach these people that are longing for community. Um, just a couple weeks ago, we had a couple of incredible conversations. One with a guy named George. And George works at Press Room. And I walked up to George. just wanted to know about like what, how, what it's like to work at Press Room. And I just said, hey, man, I don't know what you do. But, or I don't know if you know what I do. I work at a church, but, but I'm leaving that church to start a new church. But I just wanted to talk to you what it's like to work at Press Room. And he goes, hold on a second. Let's talk about this church thing. And I was like, really? Okay. And I didn't know if George is a believer or not, but George actually had been in my heart this entire time. And he just said, I'm a, I'm a believer. And I have been longing for a community to, to invest myself in, to, to be with, and I can't find it. I'm trying to walk into all these churches, but it's just not me. And I just don't know what to do. And so I want to talk to you more about this. And so he invited me over to his house the next week and that was great. And then a couple nights later, Brad and I and another guy, we were at Bike Rack and at Bike Rack Brewery, and we were talking to a lady behind the, the bar. Her name was Erica, and she, we were kind of hearing her story. And Erica had left her church, uh, a big church, a couple of years ago and had just kind of given up on all of that. And uh, so while we're talking to Erica, George walks in with his buddy Kyle and George was like, Hey man, we were just talking about you. And it's like, Oh great. That's cool. Are we still on for Monday? He's like, yeah, yeah, we're good. And so he grabs something. He walks out. Kyle stays in. He sits behind the bar. We find out Kyle and Erica are married and we start asking Kyle about his story. And Kyle's a former musician in Colorado. And he just kind of gave up on all that and came to, to Northwest Arkansas. And he just said, you know, I, I'm a, you know, we figured out after talking about Christian music and how bad it used to be back in the day, um, that, that <laughs> I was, that he actually knew what a wow CD was. So we knew that like, there was something there. And so we, we talked, we talked and it was great. And we were walking out and Erica walks in from the outside and she goes, Hey, I was just talking to George. He said that you guys are planning, starting a church. I said, yeah. And she goes, um, I want to talk to you about that. So Kyle was like, Oh my gosh, that's you. I was just talking. I thought George was just messing with you. We really were just talking about you. They, they are longing for this so badly. George doesn't even know anything about narrative and he's already telling people about it. There would be a church that would come to them and invest in, in their culture and to reach them, to reach down into the cracks of our society and the crevices of our society and, and reach this subculture. And uh, so we're so grateful. We're so grateful for Grace Point. No, nobody here was just like deuces, like I'm done with Grace Point. Like we all love Grace Point, and, but we just are feeling this call to go and to reach this culture. And so we just thank you for your support. Narrative's not going to be... Uh, have grace point anywhere on the name or anything like that. But yet you guys, our church is going to be supporting this because this is the church. This isn't about our kingdom, right? It's God's kingdom. And uh, so we're just, we're really excited about that. And we just really appreciate what you guys are doing and what you'll continue to do for this. Awesome. I want to ask our uh, pastoral team, our deacons to join me up here on stage. We want to lay hands on them. They're going to be around for a while, but we're celebrating this on this day, marking it because uh, if the number one increase in our budget this year, if there's any one single item that took the, the largest increase is in church planning, multiplying ourselves. Again, that's that, third, that fourth value that we will be a multiplying community. And this is a great example of it. We are sending out resources. We're sending out people, uh, people we love. It's going to be hard to see them go, but at the same time, it's just like launching your children. There's a right thing. And so this is a good thing. And so we want you all to come together Caleb, you're going to actually kind of lead our, our, our prayer time. 
And so why don't you uh, do that as we pray together? If you guys would just bow your heads, if you want to reach out a hand and pray as I'm praying, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, God, um, first of all, what, what an honor it is, Lord, um, to be a part of your church and to be a part of this body of believers that um, God strive to live on mission with you. God, we're striving to live as sent and to be obedient, Lord, to whatever it is you call us to do. And God, right here in, in this room, um, last week, in, the, in this very hour, um, with many of the same faces of, of the people around this room, God, as one body and one voice, Lord, we acknowledge that there's one Father in heaven and you're sovereign over all. And we prayed over a team of young people that went out for just a short time to bring hope to the hopeless in another part of the world. And God, now here we are this morning and we're praying over our brothers and our sisters in Christ who have responded to your calling to go out into our own community, to cross the Jordan, which might be Tiger Boulevard and bring hope to the hopeless. God, would you guard them? Because they're, they are sheep being sent out among wolves. Would you protect them? Would you give them boldness? God, give them the love and patience and kindness of Christ during the time of his ministry on earth. God, give them strategy and give them wisdom, that of Jesus Christ. Allow them to be servants, to make themselves servants, Lord, among all people. God, greater things have yet to come and greater things are still to be done in this city, in our city, in Bentonville, Arkansas. And so we pray over these individuals going out to start narrative, God, that they would continue to be obedient in your calling. As they, God, as their intent is to expand your kingdom here. We love you so much, God, and we thank you for opportunities to serve you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.